You are listening to the Akron Abide Bible Study Podcast. For more information, check out our Facebook page at facebook.com slash Akron Abide. Uh, as many of you guys know, I am a huge baseball fan. Out of all the sports, that is my number one. I am a huge, huge baseball fan, and more specifically, a Chicago Cubs fan. Can I get an amen? Any Cubs fans out there? I'm a, I'm a Cubs fan as well. But uh, because I'm such a huge baseball fan, that means I love baseball movies. That's probably one of my favorite genres, sports movies and baseball movies. And, and one of my favorite baseball movies of all time would have to be The Sandlot. How many of you have seen The Sandlot before? Dude, that's a great movie. There's so many great lines, right? You're killing me, Smalls, right? All the great Bambino. There's so many great lines. That's actually how I had my first kiss with Hannah was the scene with the lifeguard. Just kidding. I don't know why I said that. (laughs) Lord, forgive me. Amen. (laughs) Just kidding. But anyway, The Sandlot is a great movie. I love that movie so much. And, And the reason why I bring this up this morning is because as I was studying for this message... I was reminded of one of their iconic scenes. Uh, I, I don't know if you know the, the scene where Benny the Jet Rodriguez is running from the beast, Hercules, the neighbor's dog, and it's kind of like a Western. You know, there's that whistle, the, I can't whistle. Oh, Lord. I practiced that, and I was doing it really good. I got dry mouth. Uh, but anyway, uh, Benny the Jet Rodriguez is running from Beast, the neighbor's dog. He's got the Babe Ruth autographed baseball in hand, and he's running for his life. And as he's running for his life, that scary dog chases him. And so Benny tries to get away. He runs through alleyways. He runs through movie theaters. He runs through parks and picnics trying to escape. But the beast follows no matter where he runs. Benny, the Jet Rodriguez, can't seem to find refuge. And finally, he had to run back to the sandlot where he was to begin with. It's kind of an an interesting scene, and it's just a a great movie. And the reason why that scene came to mind this week is because as we come to our text this morning, we are introduced to a similar scene taking place between David and Saul. You see, in 1 Samuel chapter 19 and verse 10, we find David running for his life. Look at verse number 10 again. The Bible says, And Saul sought to smite David even to the wall with the javelin, And he slipped away out of Saul's presence. And he smote the javelin into the wall. And David fled and escaped that night. The Bible says that David fled. David ran away. In other words, after Saul tried to murder David multiple times, David knew it was no longer safe to go back to Saul's home. And so David is now officially on the run for the rest of the book of 1 Samuel. The rest of the book of 1 Samuel, David is running for his life. He is an outlaw, he is a fugitive, and he is literally running for his life as Saul tries to track him down. It's a crazy scene. Have you ever felt like that before, though? Have you ever felt like you are on the run, running for your life, so to speak? Now, you may not be literally running for your life like David was, but but anytime you're feeling hassled, harassed, restless, in transition, off your game, out of your routine, basically anytime you're in trouble, I believe you can relate to David's being on the run here in 1 Samuel chapter 19. You see, the truth is, guys, we all go through seasons of running. 
good seasons and bad seasons, right? Whether it's running away from God like Jonah did, running away from our problems like Elijah, or even running away from sin and temptation like Joseph, we all go through seasons of running, good seasons and bad seasons. In fact, the Bible actually commands us to run. Did you know that? The Bible commands us to run. Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1, the Bible says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. We are commanded to run. To run with patience. God instructs us to run here. And you and I will go through seasons of running. But the difference between being delivered and being defeated during our running seasons largely depends on where we are running to. The difference between being delivered or being defeated while we're on the run largely depends on where we are running to. And that's what we're going to cover in today's message today. Because in 1 Samuel chapter 19 all the way to 1 Samuel chapter 21, we find David running from something to something. That's what we see. At times, he runs from something to something bad, and at times, he runs from something to something good. And that's what we're going to look at today. All right, we're going to look at David on the run, and man, I believe that we can learn what to do and what not to do when we are on the run by looking at David's life. And I've got two main points to cover today, along with several subpoints, and then we'll look at a closing passage of Scripture for spiritual application. But to begin today, I want you to write this down. Number one, this is the first act, David running from Saul. That's the first point that I want to cover today, because that's how our story begins. After Saul tried to murder David multiple times, David knew it was no longer safe to go back to Saul. He knew it was no longer safe to be the heart player for Saul, to, to live in Saul's house. He knew it, right? And David is now officially on the run. And as he's running from Saul, he begins to look for refuge in a number of different places. In these three chapters, we find David on the run, looking for refuge in four different places. And many of these places that David is running to is where you and I run to when we go through troubles, when we go through trials, when we are on the run. And the first place that David ran to was this. He ran to his family. He ran to his family, right? That, that's typically what you do when you're in trouble, right? You run to your family for help. And that's what David did. We find out in, in verses 11 and 12 that David ran to his wife. And that's good advice. I, I don't know about you, but that's what I do when I run to help, right? When I'm in trouble... I go to my wife. My wife is wise beyond her years. She is strong. When I'm afraid of spiders in my house, she's the one that goes and kills them. Right? I run to her for help. Right? That's what we do when we are going through troubles. David ran to his wife. Look at verses 11 and 12. That's what we see. The Bible says, Saul also sent messengers unto David's house to watch him and to slay him in the morning. And Michael, David's wife, told him, saying, If thou save not thy life tonight... Tomorrow thou shalt be slain. So Michael let David down through a window, and he went and fled and escaped. So we find out there that Michael, David's wife, devised a plan. She goes to David and says, David, if you stay here, Saul is going to kill you. My father is going to kill you. You need to be on the run. 
you need to flee. And David listened to her and was able to escape that night. Now, there's an argument on whether or not David and Michael did the right thing in running. Some people think David should have stayed put, but I'm not dealing with that today. The point that I'm trying to make this morning is David ran to family. David ran to his family for help. But what we find out when we look at this is it only brought temporal safety. He was only saved temporarily, right? He still had to run. He still had to flee. He still had to find help. It helped for a season, but it did not bring complete deliverance. So we find David running to another thing. Number two, we find David running to his friends. Running to his friends for help. And again, that's what you do when you're in trouble, right? You run to your friends. As David flees Saul, that's what he does. He runs to his friends for help. And and that's typically what you do when you're in trouble. And I just got to say, man, I am so thankful for friends in my life that I can go to when I'm in trouble. When I'm going through a tough time, when I'm going through difficulties, there's people that I can call that will be there for me to help, right? We, we all need those types of friends, and, and that's what David did. David had two different friends that he could run to for help. And the first one was one that we probably don't think of as David's friends very often, but it was his friends, and that was the prophet Samuel. We find David, after he leaves his wife, running to the prophet Samuel for help. Jump on down to verse 18. Look what the Bible says here. The Bible says, so David fled, there's that word fled again, and escaped and came to Samuel to Ramah and told him all that Saul had done to him. And he and Samuel went and dwelt in Naoth. So he fled to Samuel. Now, Samuel was more than likely a lot of things to David. He was a spiritual figure. He was a prophet. He was a father figure. The prophet Samuel was much older than David. So David looked up to him in that way. And Samuel was also a friend. Samuel was someone that David could confide in, that David could trust. And that's what a friend is, right? And so so that's what David did. He, He went to Samuel and he confided in Samuel. And I believe we can learn from this. We can learn from this in the Christian life. You see, it is essential for you and for me to confide in each other, to open up with one another. We all need friends. We all need one another, and we need to open up with each other. When we're struggling, when we're having issues, find somebody that you can talk to. The Bible says in James chapter 5 and verse 16, confess your faults one to another and pray one for another that you may be healed. The effectual fervent prayer of a righteous man availeth much. We need one another in the Christian life. We need to confide in one another, and that's what David did with Samuel But as we continue reading the story, we find out Samuel wasn't much help. Again, he helped temporarily, but not completely. We find out that as he went to Samuel, Samuel brought him to Naoth. They sought refuge in this place called Naoth. And Naoth was what many people believed to be a college for the prophets, a school for the prophets. Samuel was probably training these prophets. And he's like, all right, here, we can take refuge over here. Saul's not going to find us in this college. And so that's where they went. But we find out David was seen. David was discovered. And so Saul's messengers came. And and what happened was David had to flee. David had to run away. Again, he might have been there for a couple days. He might have been there for a couple weeks. But it was not complete deliverance. And what we learned there is, really, a friend can only do so much to help. You know, a friend's going to help you 
A friend might help you when you're in a bind and, and so on and so forth, but a friend can only do so much to help. Sometimes you got to find somewhere else to find help. And that's what David did. We find out David ran to his family. That didn't really work out. David ran to his friends. That didn't really work out. And then number three, we find out David ran to his friend Jonathan. He ran to Jonathan for help. He ran to the prophet Samuel, and then he runs to Jonathan. He tries to find another friend. Now, we did a whole message on Jonathan, right? The friendship between Jonathan and David. It was an awesome friendship. Remember Jonathan, right? He loved David as his own soul, the Bible says. He made a covenant with David, a promise. He stripped himself of his royal garments and gave it to David. Jonathan was Saul's son. This was a great friend. And so after the prophet Samuel didn't really work out for David, he makes his way to this friend. Look at 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 1. We see this coming to pass. The Bible says, and David fled. We see that word fled again. And David fled from Naoth in Ramah and came and said before Jonathan, what have I done? What is mine iniquity and what is my sin before thy father that he seeks my life? So, so basically, David goes to Jonathan and says, dude, why is your dad trying to kill me? What did I ever do to your dad? All I've ever done to your dad is, is play music and honor him, right? Why is your dad trying to kill me? And we find out that this sparks a long conversation between Jonathan and David that covers all of chapter 20. Now, time does not permit me to cover all of this today, but this chapter is filled with tears, prayer, strategy, encouragement, and a final last goodbye. A last goodbye between Jonathan and David. Have you ever said goodbye to one of your best friends? That's a tough feeling, right? Well, we see that last goodbye here between Jonathan and David in the back end of 1 Samuel chapter 20. And I want to look at those verses. Now, look at 1 Samuel chapter 20 and verse 41. Look at what the Bible says. There. The Bible says, David arose out of a place toward the south and fell on his face to the ground and bowed himself three times, and they kissed one another and wept one with another until David exceeded. And then look at verse number 42. The Bible says, And Jonathan said to David, Go in peace. Go in peace. So this chapter closes with Jonathan trying to encourage David. He goes to Jonathan for help. They talk. They pray together. And then Jonathan says, I hope this helped. Go in peace. Go in peace. He encourages David, and, and really, the reason why he did this is because this is what good friends do, right? You want to be a good friend? You want to be a good Christian friend? You got to provide encouragement, right? Encourage one another. Exhort one another, the Bible says. That's why the Apostle Paul told the church at Thessalonica, the model church, to encourage and comfort one another. This was a model church. This church was killing it. They were doing awesome. And Paul says, hey, keep up the good work, but remember, don't forget to encourage and comfort one another. Why? Because that's what friends do. Friends, encourage one another. Find somebody that you can encourage and then you can build up. But, but when David leaves, we find out that that encouragement only did so much. He says, go in peace, but we find out David didn't leave with peace. David left with fear. Again, we see fear. And, and, and what we find out there is sometimes, again, encouragement can only do so, go so far. Sometimes encouragement can only get you a little, little comforts, little grace, little peace, but, but eventually you've got a lot more that you've got to handle. You've got to overcome, right? So 
David ran to his friend. That didn't work out. David ran to his family. Didn't work out. David ran to, to, to all of those things. Did not work out, so he runs to a third thing here. All right? We find out, number three, David ran to spiritual leaders. Spiritual leaders for help. And again, this is a good thing, man. Run into your spiritual leaders. And that's what we see in 1 Samuel chapter 21 and verse 1. The Bible says, Then came David to Nob to Elimelech the priest. David came to the city of Nob to Elimelech the priest. So after David says goodbye to Jonathan, he makes his way to the city of Nob to speak with the priest Elimelech. In other words, you want to know what we see there? We find out David ran to a spiritual leader for help. He ran to a spiritual leader, a spiritual mentor that could help him during this trouble. And again, we can learn from this. This is something that we should all do. Find a spiritual mentor. Find a spiritual leader that can help you in your Christian journey, help you in your Christian life. There are people that I call on a daily basis and I ask for help. Spiritual leaders in my life. It's important for us to have those spiritual leaders. And that's what David did. Again, David reached out to Elimelech, the priest. Now, the only problem was David was looking for his physical needs to be met and not his spiritual needs. As we continue reading, that's what we see. And, and this is where David starts to take a turn for the worst. David has been awesome this entire time, but David starts to go down a path that you do not want to go on. We continue reading 1 Samuel chapter 21, and, and we find out that David deceived the priest to fulfill his physical needs. He deceived him. He told the priest that he was on a secret mission given by King Saul and that he needed food and weapons for himself and his army. Now, that's an outright lie. David was all alone. David was on the road. There was nobody with him, but he lied in order for his needs to be met. And to make a long story short, the priest ended up giving David five loaves of bread as well as Goliath's sword. Literally, the sword of Goliath that David used to chop off Goliath's head, the priest gave it to David. Now, you may be thinking, man, lying works, man. I got to lie some more often to get those things, right? But here's the issue. David lied, but he missed out on so much. You see, because he was focused on his physical needs and lied in order to get them, it was a temporary fix. This only temporarily solved his needs. The food would run out. The sword would eventually rust. He didn't experience deliverance. You know, what David needed in his life was his spiritual needs to be met. His soul. And, and I truly believe this, guys. I truly believe if David had been completely honest with the priest, God would have supplied both the physical and the spiritual in his life. Because that's a promise from God, Philippians 4.19, but my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus, right? I believe that God would have supplied his needs. But because David relied on himself, after a few short days, David was out of food and on the run again. And we find out in verse 10, he was still filled with fear. The Bible says, and David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul. He's fearful. He's still on the run. He's still running for his life. And, and we find out, number four, he runs to a fourth thing. All right? Runs to his family. Doesn't work. Runs to his friends. Doesn't work. Runs to spiritual leaders. Doesn't really work. Last resort, number four, David ran to political authority. 
And in his eyes, this was David's last option, right? After his wife didn't work out, after his friends didn't work out, after the priest didn't work out. You want to know what we see? (laughs) We find out that David is now looking to the government for aid. That's what he's doing. That's pretty funny if you think about it, right? He's looking for, to the government for help. Like, please help me. This is my last resort, right? And we find out that David didn't run to just any political authority. You want to know who he ran to? He ran to the enemy. He ran to King Achish. Let's finish that verse in verse 10, all right? Stay with me now. And David arose and fled that day for fear of Saul and went to Achish, the king of Gath. Now, that verse might not stick out to you, but once we look at the context, it will. Do you want to know what Gath was? That was the place of Goliath's hometown. So so David is fleeing to literally the house, the city of the hometown hero, Goliath, the person that David killed, right? Put that into perspective for a little bit. That is insane. That's crazy. And we find out here, he didn't just go to the hometown. No, he went to King Achish. He went to the king of the Philistines, the king of the enemy. Dude, that boggles my mind. That's crazy. Why on earth would David do this? Well, it's because he was running for his life with nowhere to go. He felt like he had no options. And and you do crazy things when you feel like you have no options. You do crazy things when you feel like you have no hope, right? And we find out this did not go well for David at all. We see him going down further and further and further. Look at verses 11 and 12. The Bible says, And the servants of Achish said unto him, Is not this David the king of the lands? So they recognized him. Did they not sing one to another of him in dances, saying, Saul has slain his thousands, and David his ten thousands? And then look at verse 12. The Bible says, And David laid up these words in his heart and was sore afraid of Achish, the king of Gath. What do we see there again? We see fear. Fear in the heart of David. Fear in the life of David. And and really, this is the theme of David's life since he's been on the run, right? Ever since David has been on the run, running for his life, all we see is fear, fear, and more fear. In fact, you just read 1 Samuel chapter 21 and 1 Samuel chapter 20, 19, 18, on down the list. You want to know what you find out? You find out that there's two key words that you'll see again and again and again. It's the word fled and it's the word fear. David ran, David was fearful. David was afraid. And this really is a far cry from the once brave soldier we saw just a few chapters ago. Right? What happened to the, this great man of God? What took place? Well, I believe the answer is simple. David was running to the wrong things. You see, David was running from Saul to whatever seemed right in his own eyes. Whatever seemed right, he was just reacting. Now, the things that David ran to weren't necessarily bad things at all, right? Running to your family, that's not a bad thing. Your friends, not a bad thing. Spiritual leaders, political authority, those are not bad things at all. Those are all great things. Those are all good things, right? But they become bad things if they replace the best thing. And you want to know what the best thing is? The best thing is God. 
the best thing is, is God. And, and that's who David should have been running to. David, in the first place, as soon as that trial, as soon as that trouble, as soon as that problem came, he should have looked to Jesus or looked to God. Looked to God for help. And it's interesting. This is really cool, guys. Whenever the Bible instructs us to run, did you know that it's never to anything but God? It's always to God. If you read the New Testament, that's what you see. For instance, we looked at Hebrews chapter 12 and verse 1 earlier. The Bible says, Wherefore, seeing also we are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which doth so easily beset us, and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Where are we supposed to run? Verse 2, looking unto Jesus, the author and the finisher of our faith. We are to run to Jesus. We are to run to God. That's who we run to no matter what. The good times, we run to Jesus. The bad times, we run to Jesus. Every step of our life, we run to Jesus. We run to God. We run to our Father in heaven. But David didn't do that. He didn't. And, and now David finds himself at a low point. Really, the, the lowest point that you can ever imagine. Look at verse 13. This is crazy to me. The Bible says, And David changed his behavior before them and feigned himself mad in their hands and, and scrabbled on the doors of the gates and let his spittle fall down upon his beard. So David gets recognized and he panics and he starts acting like a fool. He starts acting like a, a crazy person, playing the insanity car, right? I'm insane. I'm, I'm crazy. Don't arrest me. Can you imagine that? And the Bible says in, in verse 13 that he was in their hands, which implies that he was in their custody. So get this, all right? Here we have David, fearful, in the enemy's hands, in the Philistines' custody, and acting like a crazy person. Dude, it seems like David hit rock bottom, right? Can you imagine that? This once anointed king, this man after God's own heart, this hero of the Israelites is now with no hope, rock bottom, nowhere to go in the enemy's hands. That's crazy. Sometimes I can feel that way, though. Low point, nowhere to go. Dark times in my life can't seem to get out of it, right? We go through seasons like that. David was in that boat right now. But here's the good news, guys. You want to know something awesome? God was with David in that low point. And not only that, God was with David through it all. You know, the Bible says he will never leave us nor forsake us. Hey, God was with David when he ran to his family instead of God. God was with David when he ran to his friends instead of God. God was with David wherever he ran. And, and here he's in the enemy's hands with no hope, and God is still there. And I love how God works, guys, because we find out that, that it took getting David to that low point in order for David to recognize that God was there always and then turn back to God and then run to God. And, and that brings me to my second point today. You see, we looked at David running from Saul. Reactive. He's just reacting. He's running. But now we see David being proactive. Look at point number two. We find out David starts to run to God. He begins to run to God in this moment. You know, I would have loved 
to be a fly on the wall for this encounter. Dude, I, I would have loved to, to get in the mind of David at this time, acting like a crazy person in the enemy's hands with no hope. What was going on through his mind during all this? I would have loved to have seen that. Well, you want to know something pretty cool? We have the next best thing to that. You see, the beautiful thing about the Bible and the, the beautiful thing about Scripture is all of this that happened in David's life is actually recorded in the Word of God. Did you know that? It's recorded in Scripture. Turn with me, if you could, to Psalm 56. The 56th Psalm. Once we get to the, this point in our series in 1 Samuel, we're going to start to cover the book of Psalms a lot because the Psalms are hymns. They're songs that the psalmist David wrote, prayers of David. And many of these prayers were written by David during the lowest points of his life. And the 56th Psalm is so interesting because the 56th Psalm was written, the Bible says, when David was seized by the Philistines. So in this moment that we just read, David, low point, nowhere to go, we see the mind and the words of David right here in Psalm 56. And look at how he begins. All right, I love this. Look at how he begins in Psalm chapter 56 and verse 1. The Bible says, be merciful unto me, O God. He looks to God and says, be merciful unto me. Help me, O God. And, and in that moment, in that prayer, in those words, that's where it all changed. That's where it all changed because in that moment, you want to know what David did? David looked away from his problems and he looked directly to God and everything changed. His mindset changed and, and his whole outlook on life changed. We, we see the change take place if we continue reading. Look what the Bible says in verse 2. The Bible says, Mine enemies would daily swallow me up, for they be many that fight against me, O thou most high. He's pouring his heart out to God. He's saying, God, I'm going through this hard time. I've got Achish over here. I've got Saul over here. I got nowhere to go. Look at verse 3. But what time I am afraid, I will trust in thee. I'm going to trust in you, God. I'm going to trust in you. In God, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not fear what flesh can do unto me. What do we see there? What's David doing after he says, be merciful unto me, O God? We see David trading his fear for faith. We see the faith of this once great man again, and, and it just keeps getting better. Jump on down to verse 9. The Bible says, when I cry unto thee, then shall my enemies turn back. This I know, for God is with me. In God, I will praise his word. In the Lord, I will praise his word. In God, I have put my trust. I will not be afraid what man can do unto me. Thy vows are upon me, O God. I will render praises unto thee. I'm going to praise you in the storm. I'm going to praise you in the valley. I'm going to praise you in everything, God, because you are my firm foundation. And I love how he closes this prayer. Look at what he says in verse 13. This is so cool. He says, for thou hast delivered my soul from death. Wilt not thou deliver my feet from falling, that I may walk before God in the light of the living? Feet from falling, walk before God. What do we see there? We see David running to God 
so he can walk with God. He can walk with God throughout his Christian journey and in his journey to come. Hey, and this right here, guys, this is the mindset that we should all have. Guys, I'm not trying to be mean when I say this. Stop trying to live the Christian life on your own. Stop trying to live your life on your own. You're going to fail. You're going to fall. You're going to be miserable. You're going to look up and be like, where are you, God? You live on your own. It's going to create failure. God created us with this need for a relationship with him. God created us with this need to, to look to him in everything. Stop trying to live the Christian life on your own. No, run to Jesus. Run to God with everything. The Bible says casting all, all, all of your care upon him, for he cares about you. Run to Jesus, right? Looking unto Jesus, the author and finisher of our faith. Running to Jesus, right? And I love this. You want to know something really cool? You look at that Greek phrase there, looking unto there, or you look at that, that phrase in the original language, looking unto there, and you want to know what it means? It doesn't just mean like a glance. No, it literally means turning away from everything else and fixing your eyes upon that object. He's saying turn away from your circumstances, turn away from your problems, turn away from your trials, and look to God. Look to Jesus. And you want to know something? If we do that, we will experience the deliverance that we desire, and we will experience the refuge that we need, the safety. After all, guys, this is what happened with David. Dude, this is so cool. I know I'm covering a lot today, but stay with me, all right? This is so cool. Look at verses 14 and 15. The Bible says, Then said Achish unto his servants, Lo, you see, the man is mad. Wherefore then have you brought him to me? So King Achish is like, dude, this guy's nuts. This guy's crazy. I don't have time for him. Why on earth are you bringing him to me? Guys, what's the deal? Verse 15, Have I need of mad men that ye have brought this fellow to play the madman in my presence? Shall this fellow come into my house? You're going to bring him in my house? Like, what's the deal here? Let him go. It's fine. And we find out that's exactly what happened. Look at how the Bible begins in chapter 22 and verse 1. The Bible says, David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave Adullam. So David departed. He escaped. He was free. And you want to know where he ran to now? We find him running to the cave Adullam. Now stay with me, all right? Do you want to know what that word Adullam means? It means refuge. That's what that word means. You look it up in the original language. It means refuge. So here, David, running for his life for the last few weeks, months, no hope. Now, after he looks to God, he goes to the cave of Adullam. He literally went to the place of refuge. And guess what? When he arrived at cave Adullam, God brought the provisions and the help that he needed. Let's finish this verse, all right? David therefore departed thence and escaped to the cave of Adullam. And when his brethren and all of his father's house heard it, they went down to him. They went down to him for help. God brought help in David's place of refuge. Get this though, all right? This was the same help that David sought for earlier. He went to his family. He went to his friends for help to no avail. But this time he has results. This time he has the help that he needs. Why? Because David ran to God first. And once you run to God first, God brings everything else to pass. God puts everything into place. And the Bible says the reason why. And the reason why is because God is our refuge. 
Psalm 46 and verse 1, God is our refuge and strength, a very present help in trouble. He's our refuge. He's our strength. So, guys, remember that. If you find yourself today feeling hassled, harassed, restless, in transition, off your game, out of your routine, in trouble with no hope, all I can say, guys, run to God. Run to Jesus. Go to him for help because he is our refuge and strength, and he is a very present help in trouble. So let's review quickly today. David ran to family. Didn't work out. David ran to friends. Didn't work out. David ran to a prophet and a priest. That didn't work out. And and David ran to a king. That didn't work out. But then we find out David ran to God. And once David ran to God, it all worked out. It all worked out. And God brought his friends and his family to help in the process It's beautiful. It's a great story. And you may be wondering today, why didn't it work out when David went to these people individually in the first place? Why didn't it work out when David went to Samuel? Why didn't it work out when David went here and and David went there? You may be wondering that today. And the reason why is is because all of those people have flaws, right? Going to a friend, going to a family, those are all great things and and they can help in some way, but, but they will lack in some other area, right? They cannot provide complete deliverance. They only give you a temporary high, a temporary help, a temporary place of refuge. But you want to know something? With God, God can meet all of your needs. Because with God, he brings complete deliverance. He supplies all your needs. He'll be with you. And you want to know how he does this for you and for me today? He does it through Jesus. Did you know that? He does this through Jesus Christ. Jesus is the one that brings complete deliverance. You want to know something today? Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that David ran to. Everything that David ran to, Jesus is the fulfillment of that. Think about it for a second, all right? With Jesus, we have family. When we call upon Jesus, we are adopted into God's family, right? With Jesus, we have family. With Jesus, we have a best friend. The Bible calls us his friends. The Bible says that Jesus is a friend that sticks closer than a brother. We can have a personal one-on-one relationship with him. With Jesus, we have family. With Jesus, we have a best friend. With Jesus, we have a prophet. You read the New Testament, Jesus is called our prophet. He fulfilled all of the Old Testament prophecy, right? He's a prophet. With Jesus, we have a priest. The Bible says in the book of Hebrews that he is our high priest, that has been touched with the feelings of our infirmities. He knows what we're going through. He cares for us. He prays for us. He intercesses for us. He is our high priest today. And and with Jesus, guys, we have a king. He is the king of kings, and he is the Lord of lords. And the Bible literally calls Jesus all of these things. The Bible literally calls Jesus our prophet, our priest, and our king, and he is the only one that can have that title. And that's why we run to God. That's why we run to Jesus, because he brings ultimate deliverance. 